Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, also keynote and TEDx speaker, and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all kinds of information regarding positive psychology, my own particular spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and other things related to wellness. It's also the place where you can communicate with me and even suggest guests for future podcasts. As listeners to the podcast know, my goal is to always present varying guests who lead their own lives enthusiastically and have different ways of helping us to become better versions of ourselves. And that certainly describes our guests today. And I said guests because uh, it's one of those rare occasions where we have two people who happen to know each other very well, their husband and wife. Linda and Charlie Bloom are best-selling authors and very successful psychotherapists. And their book, which is newly released, is called An End to Arguing, 101 Valuable Lessons for All Relationships. Both of them are social, licensed social workers, and they uh, reveal insights uh, that's that have been learned over a career spanning nearly 50 years. And I just learned uh, over a marriage that spanned 50 years. They've helped thousands of people develop practical strategies for every type of relationship in their lives, including partners, parents, children, friends, and more. The idea of an end to arguing really is an intriguing title. We're really looking forward to our conversation. So, Linda and Charlie, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for inviting us. So Great. glad to be here. Great to be here, Ron. Great. Well, looking forward to learning about the end of uh, arguing. And let me ask just generally... I know you were appearing together. Do you work together as therapists or uh, do you have separate practices or how, what do you do when you're not writing a, a best-selling book? You want to answer? Yeah. yeah. Yes to all the above, Ron. We do work together, uh, particularly when we, when we teach, we teach uh, seminars and workshops on relationships and sometimes we work together when we're working with uh, couples, but we also work separately. Uh, one of the things that we feel is really important that while the emphasis when we talk about relationships, people always think about in terms of you know being connected, being close together, how important that is, which of course it is. But um, we also feel pretty strongly that there's the, a part time that we all need that too, and sometimes. When we work with couples, it becomes clear that they they don't have enough togetherness time, and we you know look at maybe how they can do that or what are the things that are in the way of that. But also sometimes we're 
quick to suggest that you know you know maybe you guys need to find some time where you can just be in solitude a little bit more and be on your own to to create that that balance so yeah we do both we work together and we also have separate practices oh it's really interesting and uh, i know uh a lot of times people when they focus on on relationships focus on the time together but the the very fact that it's important to have you know me time separately mm -hmm. is 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 really enlightening and i'm sure we'll get into that a little more but let me ask there, there are a lot of us who work with uh people trying to get people to improve their their situations in different ways how did can you tell us a little bit about your own kind of individual journeys to get to what you do to be who you are now and being able to tell us how to how to end arguing mm -hmm. thank you for the question who you're interviewing today is a couple of recovered hotheads and back in the day, when we didn't have the skill set that we needed, we were very different and we were overheated about some of the differences that we had. And I am strongly of the belief that not being conflict phobic and not being anger phobic is a really important journey to take because I was conflict phobic when we were first together and I would stuff things down and then explode. And that was not good for our relationship, but we got some good help. And we learned how to handle things before they got infected, do you know? And so we feel that it's so important for the well-being of the relationship, as well as for our, our body, not just our mental health, but our physical health too, to be able to handle the differences gracefully, to learn from the differences, to respect the differences. And there's a big difference between having a passionate discussion where you have an intention to learn and understand. And when you've gone over the line to an argument where you're trying to coerce the other person to see it your way or to change their behavior. And so we had to learn where those lines were and our relationship improved a lot when we stayed on the right side of having the differences and learning from them rather than trying to make somebody into who we thought they ought to be. <laughs> well, it certainly is a unique perspective to be able to not just have the knowledge from books, but also from your relationship. Uh, I'm wondering, Charlie, do you have anything uh, in terms of your own personal journey that's that's different than, than what Linda said? Well, I definitely agree with her assessment of us as in the early stages having been uh, quite attached to our opinion about the correct way to view things, say things, and the way to be. Um, and, you know, we I think that where we learn the most in terms of our, our professional work was with the not just from what we brought into it from our education, but from uh, working with couples who were having very similar issues to ourselves. And, and we, we really understood pretty quickly 
that if we were going to do this work, we had to be able to handle our own work together in order to be able to help people who we were starting to see, whoa, we got some of the same stuff going on. And if we're going to be able to help anybody, we're going to have to you know, handle it. So we had a lot of different motivators to, to become more skilled in the art of negotiation, uh, of being able to deal with conflict and differences that was both personal and, and professional. And, uh, you know, I feel grateful. It, it wasn't always pleasurable to go through it. But, you know, without that incentive, I, I don't think that we would have been able to have gotten to the level of competence in terms of helping other people, but also in terms of our own relationship. I don't, I'm certain that we could not have the relationship we have now if we weren't motiv motivated to really develop these skills. And they are skills. Well, what a unique perspective that maybe those of us who work with people maybe should uh, get our own stuff together. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what a concept, huh? <laughs> so yeah. I applaud you for it. As you were talking, uh, I was thinking in terms of my uh, my own marriage, my wife is not a therapist. And, you know, there are probably two times, two situations where we seem to really do well together. One is when she acknowledges that I'm right. But the, <laughs> other, the other is after we've had an argument, we tend to be pretty rational about getting things back in, in order and don't maintain it. So I, I'm just wondering, when I see the book uh, title and end to, to arguing, uh, is arguing necessarily bad? Is it necessary? Is it something that's you should do with ground rules? Or what? what is, because uh, again, I, it didn't hit me as necessarily being something that uh, that is always bad. Am I wrong? <laughs> I don't think that it's bad. I just think that it's limited. That when people aren't aware of where those lines are, where they get too righteous and they get too pushy, do you know, and they go over that line, it's painful for the other person to be on the receiving end. But it's also painful for the person who may be expressing their anger and indulging, you know, in being uh, bossy or high and mighty and that it comes back. Do you know, it comes back in defensiveness. It comes back in being frozen out. Sometimes people give them the silent treatment. And then afterward, when you're more calm and you think about how you indulge yourself, you could feel really guilty and feel bad. And so that's why we're always working with people to see where those lines are, that you can have a lot of intense feelings. You can have strong preferences. You can have needs. You can have you know, that kind of intensity that leads to a, a passionate interchange. But try to beware of not going too far that will get you in hot water. Mm -hmm. And that that makes all the difference that it can be it can be really valuable to have the intensity to, to make your points, to stand up for your point of view. But to leave the blame and judgment out of it, to, to leave the make wrong out of it, that's when people have gone over the line. 
That's mm -hmm. very helpful. And before I get into the, the book, which I want to ask you as, as therapists, how does a couple, or I guess it can be any, any relationship, how do they know when to seek professional help? What, what are the clues for knowing, hey, this, this isn't just something that's, that's benign and, and that it might really have an impact on, on health and the relationship. Yeah, thank you for that question, Ryan. I really, uh, I think it's a very important question. And, and, and you know, in terms of the, the book, uh, the subtitle of the book is 101 Valuable Lessons for All Relationships. So we want people to understand that this, this book is not just for people who are married or in romantic partnerships. Uh, although a lot of the examples do come from those kinds of situations, but it, it's for all relationships. And, and in, in response to your other question about whether we see arguing as, as a bad thing that you know should be eliminated or there's something wrong with it, absolutely not. Um, I come from uh, a family where <laughs> we were encouraged to be very vocal about how we felt and we were very opinionated and uh, I actually got some pleasure out of the debates and the arguments that, that we had. And I think that they can be very growth producing. You know, you can you, you really it does challenge you to, to look deeper into your own concerns and to be willing to express yourself authentically. But like Linda said, there's a line that's very important to recognize, which is the line that separates our expression of our perspective and our feelings and our needs and our desires and our concerns and our on the other side of that line is our judgments our accusations to the other person the things that we say about them that are going to cause them to feel defensive or hurt or angry um and and those feelings if, if we do things that promote those kinds of feelings it closes down the channels of understanding between people. We want people to be able to express what they really feel and what they really concern, but in ways that don't provoke a lot of defensiveness because defensiveness makes it difficult for somebody to be open and receptive to what the other person is saying. And that relates to your question about how do you know when it's time to call in a third party, like a professional person or a clergy, or maybe some people are blessed to have a wise family member that they can turn to. But people are often reticent to reach out to ask for help. And the research is pretty heartbreaking about the, the average couple suffers for several years before they call the couple's counselor. Uh, that statistic really upsets me, but it's a felt sense. And when people are suffering and unhappy and they've tried everything that they know, that would be the time to call in the third party and not, not just become pain tolerant and live with it because there, there are some things that can have an immediate positive impact. And the therapist can help to create a safe space for people to speak about what they feel, particularly their tender 
vulnerable feelings of what they're frightened of and what's hurting in them, which is always underneath the angry interchanges. And so the therapist's job is to hold that space for people to get more honest about those very vulnerable, tender feelings. Well, that's that's a really helpful guideline. And especially when you think of, again, the people suffer for years before seeking help, really mm -hmm. good to kind of be aware of, there are clues to when you, when you really need to seek help. So, uh, Tell us about the book. What's what's in it? Why why should we want to read it? <laughs> well, we we were kind of motivated to to write the book when we we realized um, a few years ago that almost all of the work that we were doing was helping people to either repair damage that their efforts to get across to the other person had caused that in their in their desperation and in their fear and in their need to feel understood that they would so frequently go over that line of trying to coerce the other person and influence them to see things the way they wanted them to to, to be seen and when two people are doing that to each other and they're both wanting the other person to see things their way that's what we call a, a really toxic kind of an argument that that is not going to go any place until at least either one of them can disengage from that role of trying to coerce that other person. But un, until that cycle is interrupted, then um, it's only going to spiral down. And, and so we, we saw that there was really a need for people to have to see some way out of this impasse that uh, so many of the couples we worked with found themselves in. I mean, not everybody who came to us came to us out of that, but the vast majority were coming to us needing some kind of help, either preventing that from continuing to happen or repairing the damage that had come from them being locked in, in, a, in a toxic relationship. Um, which could only, you know, if they didn't get out of it, they knew that one of two things was going to happen, that they were either going to divorce or get, get out of the relationship, or else they would just continue to suffer in it, which in some ways is worse than, than getting a divorce. And, and you know, we, we've been, we had been blogging for, for years and sending out um, newsletters and and writing about this in some of our previous books. And, and we realized that, you know, we wanted to put together a book that really did nothing but address this whole situation so people could have an understanding of what the technology, there is a technology, there are practices, there, there are procedures, there are things that we can do that uh, are simple, not necessarily easy because we they, we have to be able to break some of the old habits that we're in. But there are things that we can do that can free us from the limitations of these patterns. And so we started writing about them. And before we knew it, we had uh, a long <laughs> series of, you know, little 
small chapters, one or two pages, each one. And we've found that uh, our readers really like having small chapters. And so it's another 101, 101 uh, things that, it's like our first book, 101 Things I Wish I Knew When I Got Married. It's really great to have the short chapters because uh, I'm sure it encourages even non-readers to read if if it's an issue that's important to them. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so when I'm done reading the book, what should I, what measurable changes should I have or what uh, what should be my goal in reading it? What, uh, how am I going to be changed when I, when I read it? It is my clear intention to raise the bar. Do you know, we call it going for the gold, mm -hmm. to hold the standard high, that while we're at it and while we're in relationship, why not go for the very best possible relationship that we can have? Mm -hmm. And it's really possible if people have the motivation to do it, and sometimes they put the kibosh on letting their vision be big, to have a great relationship, a fulfilling, deeply satisfying, meaningful relationship. And so we're hopeful that people will read the book and their imagination will get big and they'll feel motivated and inspired because they'll have the technology about how to do it. And there's a bunch of, you know, happy ending stories in the chapters, little vignettes about people who were stuck. Maybe they were angerphobic and they, you know, were brewing things inside and they learned how to speak up and ask for what they needed and negotiating. And then there were people who were blurters and there's stories about them that they practiced self-discipline and they became black belt listeners. Do you know? And these little shifts can make a huge difference if they're done in a committed way. Over time, it lifts the relationship into the thrive zone, which is not only emotional, psychological well-being, it's also physical in the body that we, we get to have greater health. We get to have more vitality, more aliveness and less illness. And the research is so clear about that, as I'm sure you know, about the happiest couples are living the longest and having the terrific health. Uh, well, not being drained by constant arguing, I'm sure, is, is really yeah. good for your health. That's uh, it. Now, I'm real big on prevention. I'm wondering if you've got a uh, a young couple or an older couple that's uh, just either getting married, getting together, deciding whether to live together, so on, and they haven't gotten to the point of developing too many bad habits, are there some recommendations you can give them for, you know, how to live uh, their best lives as a couple before th before doing too much damage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's a good way to put it. I mean, we 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 all come into relationship having been influenced by our experience in in our families when we were younger. And um, some of the things that we learned can serve us well, and some of them not not so much. And what we try to um, remind people about is something that a lot of them don't want to hear, but it's true, which is that you guys are going to have differences. 
one of the things that attracted you to each other isn't just because you have common interests, but because there are things that each of you can offer each other that the other one maybe hasn't got uh, as isn't as highly developed in. And so there are going to be differences that will that will come up. And even the best couples have them. And it's important not to see when when you hit some of those places. It's important not to see that this is an indicator that we're just, you know, maybe I've got the wrong person here or couples who really have good relationships don't ever get into these situations, that this is something that is uh, inevitable, that there will be differences. And they don't mean that there's anything wrong with you or your partner Mm -hmm. or with this relationship. But it does, it is, can serve as a reminder that mm, maybe there are some things that we need to learn about how to deal with these differences so that they don't become divisive. And uh, we, we, we encourage them to be, you know, not to see that as a as a negative thing that needs to that is an indicator that something's wrong, but to see it as okay, we need to learn more about maybe how to be a better listener, about how to be less defensive, about what to do when we feel stuck or hopeless. You know, that we need to learn. And and that's natural. And I just want to add, I'm totally with everything that Charlie said. We are always working with the couples that we have the uh, opportunity to influence, whether they're the young couples just starting out or the midlife couples or the older couples, to encourage them to check in to self and report out to other on a regular basis. And so things don't lay around incomplete and unfinished because they tend to accumulate and become a clog in the channel between the two people. So if you want to have a free flowing, you know, energetic channel between the two people, you have to stay abreast of those things and not, you know, sweep them under the proverbial rug as they, they say, and the saying goes. So we find that most couples don't check in with each other, not nearly enough and stay on top of those issues. Get them when they're little before before they grow fangs and you know claws on them. Yeah, well, that uh, I mean, really great advice, but it it also leads me to another question, more for you as therapists than as authors. But uh, since I do a, a fair amount of my work with the older age range of individuals, one of the the questions that concerns me, I mean, you do see couples among friends or observe people where there's their way of relating is either by put downs or sarcasm or uh, somebody having to be dominant, or we might sometimes be going out to dinner and see a couple in our age range, they'll come sit down at the table, order, the only conversation is with the waiter sit through the whole meal, not saying anything. Some patterns that concern me, uh, but, you know, I'm I'm wondering, is that just me? Or when you get to a certain age, if, if do we say, hey, that's that's worked for me? Uh, or, the, you know, it's too late to change or what? You know, it's not necessarily arguments at that point, but uh, what I think are kind of unhealthy patterns. Any advice? Uh, 
with those kinds of couples? Yeah, well, we, uh, of course, have observed some of those same patterns with a lot of people. And, and I think the current version of that that, that I, I notice every time I go into a restaurant is a, a couple sitting down and they're both on their phones. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's just <laughs> it, it's it's heartbreaking, you know, you know, to, to see here's this opportunity that you have to be together to be able to connect with each other. And there's nothing else around you that is going to prevent that from happening. And look what, look how you're using these precious moments. I mean, that's what I feel when I see that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's similar to what you're, you're describing about when you see couples who only converse with the waiter. It's, it's really, it, it's sad, but I, I it's understandable that when when people have reached a point where they just feel like they're in a state of resignation, well, you know, I don't know. At least we're together. It's not it's not a great relationship, but it's not awful either. And you know, I don't want to rock the boat too much. I don't want to shake things up. And so let's just kind of be settled for this. And and um, it's really unfortunate, you know, that so many people have come to that point where they really don't have even the motivation anymore to try to bring more meaning and depth into the relationship. And they're not using this precious time, particularly older couples and, you know, have time. They know, they know, we know, because we're not so young ourselves, that we don't know how much time we've got. And that makes the time even more precious. And it makes us more motivated to use whatever time we do have for something that's meaningful and purposeful. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when people can reach the point where they have that awareness, they're going to have the motivation to say, to, to, to get into more meaningful connection-oriented uh, conversation. And that old saying about you can't teach old dogs new tricks is wrong. Yeah, It's just not true. Yeah. Old dogs learn new tricks. It might take them a little longer to to learn them, but if they're motivated to, they can. Right. And we're we're always appealing to people at all different ages. We're appealing to their enlightened self-interest. And if people start to connect those dots about what's in it for me, they they have some motivation to take a look and make some changes. It can get their hopefulness and their inspiration level up. That's really, really helpful advice. Appreciate the answers. And Charlie, I can tell you one thing worse than having the the couple uh, with both of them on on the phone at the same time. When you see a couple with two or three children in a restaurant and all four or five of them are on the phone. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, no, it's. uh, I know, I know it. Yeah, you feel like feel like going over to him and shaking him and saying, <laughs> "Wake up, <laughs> wake up!" Oh, yeah. well, you use the word heartbreaking. I think for those of us who know a world where that that didn't take place, where that wasn't an option, it it is actually kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, it's not quite heartbreaking, but it's disappointing that uh, we're running out of time before I run out of questions, but. Uh, <laughs> Before we do so, uh, the important thing, uh, where can we get the book? Uh, Is there anything else you want to say about the book? And uh, 
Well, um, I will have another question or two after that, but tell us about where where we can get the book. Uh, mention the title again, and I'll and we'll make sure we have it in the show notes as well as as. A, Most people go online to buy books nowadays, so they can go to Amazon. It's an ebook form. It's in paperback and it's in hardcover. They can go and get it on Barnes and Noble. On, on the web too. And I like to support the local bookstores in town. And if they don't have it at the time, they can have it in a few days. And I think people are wise to ask their local library to hold it too. And sometimes people like to be in touch with us. Our, our email and our phone number is on our website. Sometimes people like a copy that's inscribed by the author. And we're really proud about this book. This is book number five. And the people who are reading it, who've read our other books say, this is your best book. So I'm really proud of it. And I think it's filled with practical wisdom that will lift people's relationship into the Thrive Zone. Wonderful. Yeah. www.bloomwork.com. Okay. Well, first of all, repeat the name of the book again. So that it's called we go to Amazon. If we don't know the book, we may uh, yeah. may not get and it. And to arguing, a hundred and one valuable lessons for all relationships. Okay, great. And the website again is Bloomwork B L O O M W O R K dot com. Okay, and are you also on social media? Is there places where they can learn more about you and your thinking? And stuff? We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We have YouTube channel. People can find us. If they can remember Linda Bloom or Charlie Bloom, they can find us. Okay, great. Well, I mean, you obviously have so much really practical advice and an obvious great way of, of communicating it. I do have to compliment you. I made it, I mean, my life a little easier by not picking out who I'm asking the question to. Had a little bit of trepidation about how that would work out, but you guys seem to play off each other very well. <laughs> Don't, nobody hogs the, the, the show and responds. And it was just, you know, so delightful to talk with you, but, and to be informed by you. So I really, Thank you for your appearance. It was a joy talking with you. Looking forward to seeing a lot of people uh, getting getting to uh, Amazon or the other or their bookstores or other places and getting the book. And uh, you know what? Maybe uh, if if you can remember it, maybe you can run through uh, the titles of at least some of your other books too. Because I mean, it's obvious that you have a great way of communicating practical advice. Uh-huh. Well, there's a chapter on making a thorough apology, and there's a chapter on forgiveness. And no, one of I mean your your other book titles. Oh, the other book our book. other books? Yeah. yeah. If they get this book, they'll know the chap, they'll find okay. the chapter. Okay. 101 things I wish I knew when I got married. Simple lessons to make love last. That was the runaway bestseller, the very first one. And then we wrote Secrets of Great Marriages, and that's Real Truths from Real Couples. So we interviewed a large number of the happiest couples we could find, and they told their secrets of success in their own words. Yeah, third book, 
was called Happily Ever After and 39 Other Myths About Love. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that's a really good one for, for couples who maybe <laughs> are a little naive about what to expect. Uh -huh. and, um, and then our, our fourth book is a memoir. And it it focuses on a 10-year period of time in our relationship in which we were faced with multiple major challenges um, and had to, it was a period of great difficulty, but great learning too. And so um, it's a very personal story and we include a lot of gory details in it, but I, I, I think that it, it can be a, a very powerful set of teachings for, for people who maybe have gone through similar kinds of experiences. But the title of that book is That Which Doesn't Kill Us. Yeah. How one couple became stronger at the broken places. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I think I've conveyed my enthusiasm about having you as guests on the show. I thank you very, very much for sharing your wisdom with us and look forward to maybe doing this again sometime. Sure. That would be wonderful. Yeah. And thank you for your great questions. Yeah. And thank you for the work you're doing, Ron. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks very much. I, now that we're done complimenting each other, <laughs> we're going to move on and close it off because this brings to uh, an end another episode of the Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser podcast. Uh, special guests. Linda and Charlie Bloom sharing so much wisdom with us. Hope you'll uh, tell your friends to listen to the podcast and download it and uh, rate, review the podcast and make sure that you go to wherever you get books to uh, get their book and as well as some of the others because the titles sound very intriguing. And then don't forget to be back here next week. We'll have another really informative, interesting guest. We'll see if we can top the, the high bar that the Blooms <laughs> have set for us and help us to become better versions of ourselves. Until then, uh, although I'm getting tired of saying this, uh, we still have COVID around with us. So <sighs> stay positive, but also stay safe. Visit our the Mental Health Gym website. Be back next week. Y'all have a really, really great week. 